Old School Lane Casual Chats is brought to you by OldSchoolLane.blogspot.com and is associated with Channel Frederator, Manic Expression, The Comic Book Cast, and The Araminta Show. Welcome to a brand new episode of Casual Chats. I am Patricia, and I am here with a very special guest. Uh, this is a really big one, people. He is an animator. He's a voice actor. He is a huge fan of uh, cartoons and anime, and he has been doing numerous projects for online and as well as video games. So we have none other than Chris Kerbifer Neosi. Chris, welcome to Casual Chats. Hi, thank you for having me, and thank you for pronouncing my name correctly. That is, uh, that is quite a feat that <laughs> very few are ever able to accomplish. <laughs> Much appreciated. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, I could have just maybe, you know, struggled for like 15 minutes and saying, uh, your name is Nio Sai? Chris, Chris Noisy, Chris <laughs> Noisy, Chris, Chris Na- Knoxville. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Death thereof, but, uh, yeah, I'm happy to be here. Sorry, uh, to any listeners who might have this might have been announced for. I apologize for taking so long. We uh, we had multiple delays, but I I had some time tonight, and uh, so Patricia was kind enough to have me on now and uh, for whenever this comes up. But so uh, yeah, no, happy happy to be here. Absolutely. Um, I just want to let you know, you know, for all of our listeners, I have been a huge fan of this man's work for almost a decade. I oh, have. God. Yeah, I know. I've been following your work ever since you posted your very first episode of Parody Ragers. It's just been, you know, really interesting about how far you've come with um, all of your work. So, right before we discuss about all that good stuff and maybe you'll feel nostalgic 
memories or maybe you'll be regrettable about it. Who knows? But we'll get to that in a minute. <laughs> I just want to know, uh, what are your earliest memories of doing animation and, th and uh, you know, first animated show that you watch? And when did you get interested in doing art? Well, I've been drawing literally all my life. And um, I I've always been telling stories and coming up with characters and ideas for all sorts of different things. Uh, you know, Tome, uh, in fact, which is the main thing I do, of course, now, uh, was, was just one of many, and then there are many more that I still uh, want to do now that I've, I've learned how to uh, animate and, and, and all the other too many things that I've, that I've uh, enveloped myself in. Um, animating was... Uh, I, 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 I Actually, my very first uh, Kerblog that I ever did, which was the, the vlog series that I do on my YouTube channel, was about how I got into animation. But to give kind of a, a short version of that story, more or less, was... Um, I was taking a class in uh, this local place I went to. It was like a computer learning center in Long Island uh, somewhere. And uh, I was originally learning Flash. Uh, this is back when it was, uh, uh, what the hell was it? It was uh, Macromedia Flash before it was uh, Adobe. And um, I was mainly picking it up because I wanted to learn how to program so I could make games. And, uh, and I, I found out kind of in that learning experience that I, and programming just really wasn't for me. But I was, uh, I'd always before that kind of made these little crappy uh, PowerPoint, uh, I hesitate to call them cartoons because they weren't very really animated, um, but they were uh, these, these little like slideshow movie pseudo cartoons I used to make and I realized that Flash was kind of a more advanced version of that so I was like, oh okay, and I think this might have been a subconscious thing but I remember as a kid always, um, whenever there'd be an episode of a, of a show like tiny tunes uh did an episode about this where they would actually show you the step-by-step -step process of how uh an animated episode of a show was made and uh I, I didn't really think too hard about it but i think that that might have actually been like sort of an unconscious uh you know influence on why i got interested in actually doing animation and having that be the um you know the the main kind of go-to thing for me now and, uh, you know, and then I, I just kind of started teaching myself a lot of stuff, you know, by trial and error with uh, a lot of the stuff that I'm sure you probably know me from, from my Newgrounds days and everything. And then ultimately I started going to college and, you know, learning from like, you know, really good, like true animators, you know, people who had been in the business that worked on like these great movies and, and films and TV shows and things like that. And, um, and then from there on out, I, I just kind of, you know, continued forward and, you know, Parody Rangers was... 2006 that was kind of the first time i was really like actually animating or like you know doing hand-drawn stuff like for a full movie because before that i was doing like sprite things and, and i didn't really know how to incorporate my drawings into any of my stuff before so that, so parody rangers is actually kind of a big leap uh in terms of actually learning how to animate and then college kind of helped with the rest and i'm still learning there's still so much more that uh you know i, I could be better at and that i strive to um you know to to hone my skills as it were in uh, in different ways but uh, was that was that a long-winded enough answer for that question <laughs> <laughs> oh it's very interesting considering that you know going into like um how you were able to be influenced by animation and by art uh, you know starting it off like really early on and you know it's kind of interesting because there's an episode of Rocco's Modern Life that also taught about the basics of animation the, the wacky deli episode that also nice. yeah i know the 
most infamous episode of all for Rockless Modern Life fans. But uh, yeah, it also gives a step-by-step on how animation was done. And we just take something that we really love at a young age and then we are able to incorporate it into our adulthood and we never thought that we can be able to you know do this for a living you know maybe many people would consider it to be like a a childish kind of thing now were your parents really supportive of this or did they want you to be like a doctor or something no i'm actually very grateful for the fact that my entire family was always very very supportive of me being an artist Uh, a lot of people in my family uh you know were creative people my my, my mom is uh, an interior decorator um, and uh, my sister was uh, an actress, uh, which people, if anybody, or you or any of your listeners grew up with uh, The Adventures of Pete and Pete, she was Ellen on that show uh, on Nickelodeon many years ago. Oh, that's right. Your sister was Allison Finelli. That's right. Yes, indeed. And she also did voiceover, and I was able to sort of uh, bring her. I mean, she's a doctor now, but I, I kind of mini, mini brought her out of retirement with Tome and had her voice uh, a one-off uh, hacker character in one of the episodes, which was kind of fun. But um, yeah, so there's and, and my 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 brother is an artist and he's a freelance guy that does a lot of amazing design stuff and you know so there's just a lot of like creative folks in my family already and and so they were you know completely accepting and understanding of just how this stuff worked and of course you know there was like oh make sure you have a backup plan and you know make sure that you're saving up enough money and and you know getting jobs and stuff and staying busy and everything so uh, yeah thankfully they've they've been supportive for all my life and. You know, they, they really helped me out with, with saving up enough money uh, when I finished college a few years ago and eventually made the jump to California where I've been living here for, at the time of recording this, for about 10 months now, I believe, uh, which is insane. It's been passing by so quickly. Um, but, uh, yeah, so uh, I, 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 I've been thankful for that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's um, I don't know if I would have got nearly as far as I as I have without, you know, just the, their patience and their support and, uh, you know, just giving me the ability to just keep learning and honing my craft as much as I could, so. Absolutely. Now, let's just say that, um, you know, you your interests of animation and drawing didn't pursue you into being the person that you are. If you, if there was any other career that you would have liked to have pursued in, what would have been and why? You know, it's funny because I've thought about that before, and a lot of my friends and colleagues uh, have very often kind of gone so far. Because, I mean, if any of you guys follow, like, have ever heard me on other interviews or whatever, and if you know me personally, I'm a walking, talking encyclopedia of uh, voiceover stuff. And um, a lot of my friends think, dude, you should just be a voice actor like full time. Like, just study that and, 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 you know, focus on that. And I choose to do everything because I'm insane. Um, but uh, I think if I, if, if maybe like I had taken theater in school or, you know, kind of pursued that stuff a little bit more, I feel like maybe I would have gone into doing acting full time uh, as opposed to, you know, kind of focusing more on, on art and animation and things. But what I'm very thankful about is the fact that I have the ability to do all of that stuff, uh, mainly as, as part of an extension of... Uh, of what I do on my own, but in recent years, I've also been very, very lucky, and, I, and I, actually even more so since I moved to California, uh, to get professional voiceover work in uh, you know, some anime shows and some video games and even some American cartoons, and that there are actually two really big video games that I recorded on uh, since I moved out here that uh, are hopefully going to be coming out, I think, sometime in like the fall of this year, maybe, maybe even like late summer. I can't talk about them just yet. But uh, they're going to be on their way very soon. Um, so I, I guess I'm thankful that I, I also get to pursue what my you know second choice that that the answer to this question 
would have been because I can do both of those things. Um, but I think if I had not focused as much on animation and storytelling, I probably would have focused more on, on acting. And, uh, you know, and I think things would have maybe turned out, like, okay in, in that case as well. But um, I don't regret the choices that I've had, and I'm really glad that I get to do so many different things. Even if I'm not a master of any of those things necessarily, uh, just, just getting the opportunity to do all of them is something that I, I'm, like, eternally grateful to, to the world for. Oh, yeah, definitely. Considering that, especially when you're doing something that you absolutely love, there's always a big opportunity for you to grow and to learn, especially since the world of animation and art is constantly changing. And, you know, sometimes it could be a little bit hard to adapt to the changes, but at the same time, it's also really fun to learn about all the new things that are coming out and for you to absorb it and for you to be able to mature as an artist and as an actor. And I think that that's um, really one of the good things about it is that because everything is so diverse and different, I mean, you know, animation and art has changed dramatically over just a short amount of time. I mean, you know, going into like stuff like web animation and indie video games, it's just astonishing about how, you know, so much has changed. And I'm sure that things will continue to change as time goes on. Yeah, and I, I hope they'll continue to change for the better. I've often talked about this because I, I think the internet is kind of a... It's a double-edged sword in many, many ways. And, and particularly for me, it's a double-edged sword in that it, it's, it is definitely changing um, the entertainment world uh, because of uh, the stuff that you just mentioned, for sure. Uh, both in that, oh, like, we have the ability... I, this I say all the time, specifically, so I'm sorry if I'm regurgitating... <laughs> It's but, okay. Uh, it's it's like, really late we, at night. We live in this era now where we can literally just make whatever we want and just put it out there and it just exists. And it's awesome because we just have all this. We You know, we don't have to get, like, you know, all the support from, like, a major studio or whatever. If, if people want to make a game and they just get a bunch of their friends together or a show or a comic or whatever and they can just make it and put it on the Internet and it's there. The downside is that it can be very difficult and tricky to make a living doing it on the internet because of the fact that, like, trends change very quickly and internet audiences can be a little fickle and stupid sometimes, you know. I've been very blessed that my, that my following has been very, though niche, uh, very uh, supportive and very dedicated, and, and I mean, I wouldn't be continuing to do Tome uh, without them. So, uh, you know, so, you know, anybody listening, if you've seen the show and if you've supported it, like just either watching it or donating or whatever, uh, you have my eternal gratitude. But, um, yeah, I, uh, I mean, I, I said at the beginning too, there's just so many things that I want to continue to do and, you know, make them bigger and better and beyond what it is that I've already been doing and then really push my limits and, uh, just get better and better and make lots of cool stuff for people, you know? Um, and, uh, and hopefully people will continue to enjoy it. That's all I can really hope for, so... Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, considering that Tome is really starting to get really big out there, you just, uh, you know, are, I believe you're almost done with your second season, and already, you know, it's already gaining, like, a large following, and, and also including with your earlier work that people are first introduced with. Um, you know, with uh, basically, when I first saw your work at Newgrounds, uh, looking at Parody Rangers, I remember it was, like, during a time in which a lot of people were kind of being nostalgic about, you know, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, and basically just, uh, you know, seeing a spoof of it and playing off with all of the tropes and cliches that the original Power Rangers were doing, like the overacting characters and the way that the movie was being portrayed and the silly monsters and stuff like that. Um, I think that was just, you know, a really 
touching for a lot of people who grew up with Power Rangers, but at the same time, maybe it was for people who didn't like Power Rangers and thought it was just ridiculous and constantly making fun of it. So, um, I, we, there's already been a video about how you got the idea of, um, you know, Parody Rangers, and I, I was wondering, for the people that you casted for Parody Rangers, um, now you just basically gathered up a group of your friends and you just decided to do Parody Rangers, so what were, like, the process, like, of, you know, doing each episode of Parody Rangers, and eventually you did the Parody Rangers movie? Um, well, it was kind of an interesting sort of thing. I actually don't know if I've told the story of how I came up with it, but I admit it, it's actually kind of a, uh, well, it's kind of a not so great part of my creative process because I will admit fully it was kind of factoried in the sense of like, whoa, nobody's done a parody ranger spoof on the internet, except for at the time there was the Mighty Mosh and Emo Rangers, which was a MySpace thing. Remember MySpace, everybody? <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. And uh, so, so it was. It was kind of almost like this, like scummy business side of me of like, oh, this is an untapped market on Newgrounds. I'm gonna do this, and, blah, 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 and I'll be popular, and, and it worked. And I'm not fully proud of that, but uh, and to be totally honest, I also think that the original three uh, episodes of, of the series, as it were, aren't really funny. They don't really hold up that well, but. Uh, the movie, I actually am still, and, and not that I think it's amazing or anything, but I'm still kind of proud of the movie because I, I learned a lot of really interesting things doing that. There's there's some funny moments, kind of like, like genuinely funny, kind of like scattered around. Um, it was my first time like voice directing people uh, for, for uh, a cartoon. And, um, you know, as far as the cast goes, uh, by the way, cast, it is not a word. Sorry to nitpick about that, but I think I should let you know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> It was uh, it was kind of funny. A lot of the cast were sort of the alumni of the uh, the the. I hesitate to say voice actors because some of them were actors and some of them were friends of mine with microphones. Um, and uh, but people that I worked with on uh, TV Tom Adventures, which was kind of the uh, ancient ye old version of Tom from many years ago, which any people don't go finding it. It's not good. It's really not. <laughs> you're not missing anything. Um, but I worked with a lot of people on that, including uh, folks like Christopher Zito, who's wonderful, uh, Jacob Sanders, uh, Edwin Tiong, and uh, and there were some new folks who I hadn't worked with, uh, such as Rena Adachi and uh, Maria Vu. Uh, and um, the whole thing was kind of also, oh, of course, I, I mean, I should give credit where credit is due. Um, at the time, I was friends with uh, Aaron Hansen, and he did, used to do these... Um, these little sound clips on his Sheezy Heart. Remember Sheezy Heart, everybody? Uh, of, like, you know, little goofy, like, high-pitched jokes about uh, different shows and things. And he did this one about Zordon, like, screaming for Tommy and Jason and Alpha or whatever to, like, wipe his cylinder because he couldn't poop or some <laughs> shit like that. And, uh, and that kind of inspired the original idea. And then from there, I, I came up with the, the actual Ranger characters. And... You know, like like Zordon and Alpha and, and a lot of the characters that were literally just like, here's a exaggerated version of the characters from Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. This isn't very original at all. Like, those I don't have much attachment to. But me and the Rangers themselves, like, even though I think the bare bones of them were like, these are, you know, exaggerated versions of the original six guys from Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, but they kind of evolved into their own characters, and I'm actually really still kind of attached to them. In particular, me and... Uh, uh, Billiam, I, the two of them, I, they still crack me up. And not because of my jokes or whatever, it was mainly because of Zito and Edwin's performances as them, which is why you continue to hear the two of them in most of the stuff that I make to this day. Um, 
But, uh, yeah, so, uh, and, and actually, it's funny you mentioned that, too, because I don't know if I've ever talked about this publicly before. I would still someday like to do sort of like a, I guess not really a reboot, but uh, like, like a, not like a Tome equivalent of, of uh, Parody Rangers, like what, what Tome was to TV Tome Adventures. But, like, do something new with those characters in, like, an original setting that doesn't necessarily have to do with Power Rangers. Because um, I think that they are still funny. They probably need some tweaking because some of them are a little, like, not PC for, you know, with how um, so- social justice Tumblr can be for good reason at times. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, I-, I-, I do love those characters, and I would love to do something more with them. I, I don't know if I ever will get the chance to, but, uh, you know, that- that's certainly something that could be up in the air someday, so you never know. Yeah, that would be kind of cool. Kind of like put in your own little uh, twist into these original characters that you kind of created out of these parodies and put it into like some sort of different universe and a different concept. That would be kind of cool. And maybe you can just make a revamp version of the current Power Rangers, which is currently right now Dino Thunder. Or maybe well, not. I don't, I don't know. know about, uh, I don't think if I were to do something with them that I would do another like flat out Power Rangers parody because... Uh, Honestly, after I finished uh, the final Nintendo collab and then I did the um, the Mario RPG Waltz the Forest music video, I kind of decided that I didn't really want to do parodies anymore because stuff like Tome and uh, Balancing Act and things like that were the real kind of stuff that I wanted to make from the beginning. And uh, it's funny because I used to get like reamed on uh, Newgrounds in my kind of early days for like, he doesn't have an original bone in his body. He's not even doing anything original. And, and when in reality, stuff like this that I'm doing now was what I always wanted to do in the first place, I just kind of got swept up in the whole sort of thing of like, oh, if I do parodies on the internet, then people will pay attention to me and I'll get popular. And now, I mean, that's how a lot of animators are able to make their living is because they have to do parodies or, you know, spoofs or, or you know, sometimes even not even animation, but like Let's Plays or review shows or whatever that just things that involve pre-existing material that they, that they didn't make. And I'm more about making the material that will maybe even inspire others to do those reviews or, or otherwise, or where fan fiction, fan art, whatever, you know what I mean? So I don't know if it would, it, it probably would not be just like a flat out Power Rangers parody, but I, I mean, in, in terms of like just those characters from uh, the series that I did on Newgrounds, I could maybe use them for something else in a, in a totally new and hopefully original concept that could, that could work with them aesthetically. So, you know, we'll see. Considering that reviews were almost at its infancy at the time, you know, you started in 2006 with Parody Rangers, and that was kind of like when the Angry Video Game Nerd started uh, making more of his episodes, uh, like, you know, the the Power Glove episode, and the Nightmare on Elm Street, and the Friday the 13th, and the Karate Kid episodes, and... I think that, you know, with parodies, yes, you know, there are some moments in which parodies can be fun and it can be enjoyable. And, you know, maybe some people will not be um, talking about, oh, you know, he doesn't have a creative bone in his body. But at the same time, you know, even though that you're not really proud of it and maybe those weren't the things that you wanted to do in the first place, uh, you know, for the most part, that's how a lot of maybe your fans, like including myself, that's how we're able to get introduced to your work. And, you know, even some of the stuff that you're not really proud of, I still enjoy them. I mean, you know, I know that you're probably going to cringe this, but I actually really thought that your Nico Nico Doga song was really hilarious. Oh, God. I know, I know. You're one of the few people that even knows what the hell that is. God, don't look, don't Google that one, folks. Uh, <laughs> But no, I mean, it's funny because, like, the, the kind of quintessential example of, of what you're talking about was uh, was Brawl Taunts, uh, which that one I can say I'm not proud of genuinely for a lot of different reasons. But 
But you know, like when I when I get the, I mean, I don't get to do a lot of conventions necessarily. I, I say that, but I just did uh, anime kanji recently, which was a lot of fun. And uh, but like, so what I'm saying is, the rare times when I do get to meet, uh, you know, fans of mine or people that followed my work, you know, from the old days or recently or whatever, you know, no matter what it is that they watched of mine, I'm always completely appreciative of the fact that just they cared enough to watch it. You know, so like if, if people, I usually joke around like, oh yeah, I love Brawl Taunts. And I, and I was, oh yeah, I, I got introduced to your stuff from Brawl Taunts. I'm always jokingly like, oh, I'm so sorry. But I'm not unappreciative that like, oh, you know, if that's what they saw and if they, if it actually made them laugh or if they really liked it or if they have like just some fond memories of those times or whatever, you know, it, it, that's still very meaningful to me. And uh, I, I, I never try to like be an ass about it or anything. Um, but, uh, but yeah, no, and I mean, all that stuff, like I was kind of implying before, they were all learning experiences in, in many, many, many different ways. And I mean, even Tone now is kind of a learning experience and, you know, whatever I'm able to end up doing next after, uh, season two is over, um, you know, which is a little up in the air right now, but there's, there's a few different things in the work, uh, in the works. Um, you know, I'm, I'm just hoping that, uh, it'll be bigger and better and, uh, you know, People who now like might have gotten into my work because of Tome first. When they see whatever I do next, they'll be like, "Oh, dude, this is just as good." Or, "Oh, I remember Tome and I really liked it." And you know, I'll be just as appreciative to that as I am with with uh, with anything else as well. So, sure. I I mean, considering that Tome, you know, is one of the very first times in which you try to do something that was based off of an idea of yours as opposed to doing something of a parody, which, you know, I'm sure that, you know, even if you, you know, regret doing Tome for whatever reason, like, oh, you know, the characters could have been tweaked or maybe the episodes could have been better. I think because it's like your first learning experience, it's something that you can definitely be really proud of because I know that you put a lot of work into it. You put a lot of work in the characters and the story and, yeah, the episodes, and you know, I'm sure you have a lot of fond memories of, you know, how you came up with ideas or maybe um, editing the voice acting or whatever. So, I mean, regardless of how you feel about Tome or anything like that, I think that it'll definitely be something that a lot of people will really appreciate on and something that you will definitely put as one of your proudest moments in your art and animation. Oh, for sure, yeah. I mean, Tome was uh, arguably the biggest learning experience I've had, and what I've been fortunate about is that not only was it a big learning experience but it, it proves to be one of the most successful things that i've done and it's funny because it, it, it the, the amount of views that uh the, like an, an episode of tone will get just absolutely pale in comparison to like you know any of the nintendo collabs or brawl taunts or, uh, or any of that stuff but the trade-off uh and i was implying this before as well is uh you know like like when we did the crowdfunding campaign uh almost a whole year ago now which i can't believe wow uh, for, for, for season two you know there was such overwhelming support uh for just people wanting to like be involved with the show like they were willing to donate money to get background characters in an episode of the show and you know I, I don't claim that Tome is like any sort of like amazing or even like that original i mean i'm, rip, I'm ripping off dot hack and Mega Man battle network for for christ's sake but um, but even so, it, it's like it's it's very meaningful to me. I really do love the show. I love everybody who works on it with me. All, all the amazing staff members that have been, uh, you know, the, the ones that have been here since the beginning, the ones who have joined on uh, throughout the show and with uh, you know the start of season two and everything. And they've worked so hard, and they're a lot of them are really proud of the of the, of the stuff that they've managed to um, you know include in the series and everything as well. It's uh, so in that way too. It's um, it's very much a, a shared. Uh, a piece of effort with with many people who are, are you know great friends of mine and wonderfully 
uh, talented artist that, um, that I'm, I'm so honored to work with and, and who dedicated all this time to, uh, to making this thing with me. Um, you know, so it, it's, uh, yeah, it's, I, I agree. Tom, I think is going to be something that no matter what I do next, you know, for, for better or worse, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be something that is, is probably part of my, my history of, of, you know, doing all this crazy internet content creation crap. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. And also, um, you know, when discussing about all the people that you've worked with, which, you know, for the most part, you know, occasionally you also get like really special um, appearances or guest performances from other voice actors. I'm I'm sure that, you know, like, uh, for example, you had Ben Diskin and Kyle uh, Hebert and um, numerous other people. I'm sure that, um, you know, that must have been amazing for you. How did you get a hold of those people? You know, it, it's funny. My cash, my catch-all uh, answer for the, I, I'm often asked that, is um, it's as simple as I I either knew them already and like, like you know Ben Diskin and Kyle uh, you know in particular I've known them both uh, well Ben I've known for uh, about a year now maybe a little over a year or so um, no actually no I'm sorry I've known him for about, about a year and a half because we had him on another podcast interview and then we like became friends after that. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's really funny. He uh, well, like like he and and Kyle are friends of mine now, and Mona Marshall's become a good friend since I moved out here as well. And um, you know, and for the other ones that I didn't know like as personally, it was as simple as I just maintained a professional attitude. I reached out to them and said, "Hey, my name is Chris. I do this cartoon. It's an independent production. It's not worth a lot of money, but I'd really love to have you involved. I think you'd be great for this character." And you know, and then we just kind of work out each individual. Uh, uh, deal from there, I guess you could say, and all of them have pretty much always been like, "Yeah, dude, that that sounds like a lot of fun. I'd love to work with you." Like, I, I've never had any kind of experience of like, "Oh no, I'm not interested. Sorry." Or, "Oh yeah, this is uh, this isn't for me. This you know, this little crappy internet cartoon or whatever." Everyone's been totally into it, um, and, uh, and I'm very thankful for that because I've I've gotten to work with a lot of uh, you know some some heroes of mine, a lot of people who like really influenced me to like you know get interested in voiceover in the first place. Uh, there was actually a big guest that I, I just worked out for an upcoming episode of Tone that I can't talk about yet because it's a big surprise, but uh, one that's very personally meaningful to me that I'm very happy I managed to get on board the show. And um, yeah, I, uh, I and, and yeah, they've always been a pleasure to work with. They're always very nice. I, I've, I've worked with very few jerks in my time, to be honest. I can maybe count them on one hand at best. And uh, yeah, so I, I guess that's kind of how I've done it. And, uh, and they've been gracious enough to continue doing it and be enthusiastic and, and yeah, so. It's almost kind of like the similar way of me when I ever get uh, an, an interview or a special guest on my podcast in which, you know, early on, um, I usually just write over to people saying, hey, you know, my name is Patricia, I do um, this podcast or I did a blog, you know, because we first started off with, you know, just sending them the questions and then they'll answer them and then, you know, very rarely we get a no or I'm too busy. And then for the most part, we get a, a yes. And, you know, a lot of these people are willing to answer our questions. And then when we started doing podcasts and inviting people over, they've been really nice. And, you know, sometimes uh, we've been lucky enough to get other people who, you know, from the people that we have interviewed previously over to our podcast because of, the way that we were able to treat them, you know, professionally, and we were able to treat them nicely and not be all creepy and stuff. Like, uh, for example, um, uh, for some of our listeners, you probably know that around a few months ago, uh, we got mm, Paul Germain and Joe and Salabahir, uh, who are the 
uh, co-creators of Recess and who also worked on Rugrats and Hey Arnold. The reason why I got that was because Craig Bartlett, who was the creator of Hey Arnold, was able to be nice enough to give me their contact information. And then, you know, just recently I did a Rugrats Passover commentary with Paul Germain. And, you know, he was really nice enough to um, take the time to... Uh, do the commentary with me and yeah just being really professional and not being too you know creepy and stuff like that uh, just basically being yourself and not treating these people like uh, they're gods or anything like that you know just treating them like they're real people is a real key way of how you can be able to interact and eventually maybe become friends with one of them I remember when uh, I first interviewed Mark Summers a few years ago, he told me that when he interviewed Johnny Carson when he was very young and he was really nervous, it taught him this really important lesson about how, you know, when you're starting off and you're really nervous, you know, that's cute and all, but then eventually if you keep doing that to everybody else, they're not going to treat you seriously. And that was a huge important lesson that I was able to learn. In which, if you are going to be um, interviewing somebody or meeting somebody that you're, you've been a huge fan of your entire life, you know, sure, you can be a little nervous at first, but then eventually you're going to have to treat them like if they were any other person, you know, be smiling, be happy, uh, just talk about all the wonderful things that you like about them, and, you know, just be yourself. That's really a, a genuine thing, as opposed to, like, just being a pretender or just saying a whole bunch of things that makes you f look fake. So I take it that with um, every person that you've, you know, meet or something like that, whether they're famous or not, I think that they'll really appreciate that. Yeah, I mean, we're all, we're all human beings. We're all, uh, you know, we just, sometimes we, we are lucky enough to have very cool jobs, but we're still human. So, uh, you yeah, know, there's, there's no, there's no gods among people in the entertainment business, everybody. You know, exactly. No, no illusions about that, but yeah. Now, another thing is that um, I know that you're a huge Mega Man fan, and I'm also a huge Mega Man fan as well. I asked this question to two other people uh, on my podcast who also were huge Mega Man fans, but I was wondering, if you had the opportunity to make any Mega Man game that you wanted, you know, you had all the budget in the world and all the programming, um, what kind of Mega Man game would you make, and how would it be like? Ooh, that's tough. I've thought about that before. Um, I don't know. I, I, I don't think I even have an answer to that, because I think I'd love to try my own interpretation of any of the different Mega Man series. Is, 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 um, it'd be interesting to try and do something completely new and interesting with uh, uh, the classic series, you know, instead of just doing the, the typical, like, you fight eight and then you move on to the next one or whatever. Or, um, I don't know, like, uh, another Battle Network game would be really fun, uh, something in between the end of Six and Star Force or whatever. <sighs> And um, maybe like another, well, I mean, Mega Man Legends 3 almost happened. I would love to, you know, do that. But, I mean, that's I would more want to leave that up to the actual staff more than anything. But, uh, I don't know. It's, it's difficult to say. But uh, I think I think any of the, the series, it would be a lot of fun to, like, put my own spin on it. But, uh, you know, I, I don't think that's a position where you can always necessarily make everybody happy because everyone kind of has their, uh, their own interpretation of, not, you know, how they would do it, but rather what it is that is fun about Mega Man. Same with Sonic, too. It's like, I have no idea, like, what I would do with Sonic if I was given that opportunity. But, uh, I don't know, I think, guess my real answer is I would just like to make my own games. Those are, that's definitely a thing that I want to move on to doing uh, in the future. I don't know if that'll come right after Tone, necessarily, but uh, that's, that's definitely a, a future plan that I'd like to incorporate into all the stuff that I do, so. Yeah, that'd be kind of interesting. 
And, you know, also your experiences with voice acting, you've, you know, just like you previously mentioned, you voice acted in anime and cartoons and video games, not to mention that you also voice directed in various video games and in um, your project. So what are the differences in you voice acting or voice directing in a project as opposed to doing um, the editing and, you know, doing all the major work in your projects? Oh, um, well, I mean, everybody has a different kind of approach to directing, and uh, I don't try to have, like, an ego about it necessarily. I mean, I, there's still a lot, a lot that I have to learn about, not only voiceover directing, but acting, you know, just in general, because um, they both go very much hand-in-hand in, hand, uh, in this kind of thing. Um, I mean, when, when I'm working for somebody else, uh, both what I'm casting and directing, like, for another person's project or, uh, like, these indie games and stuff, or, like, I'm, I'm just voicing in uh a, a, another like another project of some kind um you know i i uh i always try to think of the client first of the people who are actually in charge of this i i try to put them before myself always because a lot of people think that um acting is kind of like an ego thing and it, it's not supposed to be jaleel white said this uh, he was the voice of sonic for many years and steve Urkel and all that stuff um talked about how acting is it's meant to be like, we're, we're giving you what you want. We're trying to do our best to give you what you want, which is a good performance and something fun and enjoyable and entertaining. It's not about us like, okay, everybody sit back and let me do my, uh, you know, my acting thing. Cause like, oh, I'm so great at this or whatever. Like it, it, people who do act like that are idiots, <laughs> um, you know? And I, I mean, and I, thankfully again, I, I can get, can count very few of those on my hand, but, um, you know, it's in the same kind of way, like, when I'm, when I'm working, it's a job, you know, treat it like it's a job, and uh, your job is to do your job as best as you can, so, uh, so that's what I do, and, um, you know, and I, I, if, say, like, for instance, some directors, like, want to give me blind readings, I, I don't, you know, get all, like, you know, prima donna about, like, no, 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 you're going to let me do it the way that I want to do it, it's like, okay, this person clearly has a, a clear grasp on what is necessary for this part of the story or this performance or whatever. So if they want me to do a specific thing, then I'll do it. And I'm not going to, you know, make, make a big fuss out of it or whatever. And, uh, you know, when I get to do whatever I want and I have more creative freedom, that's more fun. Uh, but I'm also not going to hold that against any, any director or client that, you know, wants me to really be specific or, uh, or mess around with things or whatever. And, uh, you know, that adheres to their vision because it's their thing. It's then, you know, and also they're, they're paying me. <laughs> Right. So uh, I just don't feel it's it's right for me to be like combative and like, well, no, excuse me, because I'm because I'm also I'm not a trained actor. I don't have a, a theatrical radio background or anything like that. I, I I fell into this like completely by accident, practically. Well, not by accident, but like just you know not setting out to be a you know a, a pro at this necessarily. And uh, you know, but I've just thankfully been able to again maintain a professional attitude, and it's part of how I've gotten a lot of the opportunities that I've had. So. Now, do you think you would have gotten the same amount of opportunities if you were, you know, trained or if you were to feature your projects on TV as opposed to something on the Internet? Uh, well, I've gotten to do stuff on TV and, uh, and, and home releases and things, but um, I don't know. I mean, I, th I think, well, that kind of goes back to your question about what would you be doing if you weren't animating. And I mean, I think if I studied like, like acting and 
you know, doing theater or whatever, like primarily, then, um, I mean, maybe I would have been working earlier. I would have like pursued doing voiceover. Uh, well, I meant by, oh, well, oh, maybe I should rephrase that question. Do you think that tone would be different if it was picked up by an actual channel or a network and as opposed to something on the internet where the internet is a little bit more freer for you to express your work? Oh, probably. Well, that's also kind of, uh, you know, the, the upside of the double-edged sword is that I'm allowed to just do whatever I want. And, uh, and, I'm, and I'm not, you know, held to like, you know, standards and practices or whatever. And I can just, you know, if I find something is, is creatively satisfying to do it a certain way, then I'll just do it. And, um, you know, I'm very, very happy that I, you know, can just do that. Uh, I try not to take that for granted much. Yeah. But, uh, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's very possible it would have turned out differently, but, um, I don't know. I guess, uh, I guess we'll never know until I someday manage to get an actual TV show or something someday. Who knows? Yeah, who knows? Um, you know, it's interesting because a lot, of the, a lot of people who are interested in doing animation nowadays are doing it online as opposed to TV, which, you know, of course is because, you know, they're able to do their own creative ways of thinking uh, as opposed to if they were to present it to a network, which, you know, may possibly be rejected or maybe if it was picked up, they have to maybe be restricted to certain things that they have to present, which I think that's why a lot of people are doing their stuff online because of, um, you know, being able to become free to express what they want to present. And I think because of all the online uh, programs that are being featured, it's able to give inspirations for even the stuff that is on now on TV. Creativity for animated shows has really skyrocketed over the years. And, you know, a lot of um, people say that maybe it's because of the internet and all the content that is being presented on, uh, you know, animated shows that it was able to become, um, you know, kind of like their ticket into saying that, man, you know, TV, um, all the animated shows that are being presented, you know, we need to step it up. We need to take it to the next level. And, um, you know, you know, all the stuff that is being presented online, you know, maybe we should be able to make that similar creativity on television because, you know, kids nowadays are not watching stuff on TV anymore. They're watching stuff online. Um, I think that there's been some, uh, some cross influence there, but I mean, there's definitely different perceptions that the audience has when they're watching, um, internet stuff. And I mean, you talk about creative freedom, that's true to an extent, but at the same time, it's like. You know, I was kind of implying earlier about how, like, oh, well, you know, if you want to actually make a living doing, you know, YouTube animation, you, you kind of have to play the game a little bit. You got to pander and, like, make stuff that, like, you know is going to get a lot of hits that you can, you know, get good ad revenue and, and actually make money. Um, so it's, it's not always as, like, freeing as you might expect. That's why I'm also, again, I'm very lucky that I'm able to make a living doing all the stuff that I do because Tome is very unorthodox and it's, it's, it's like, kind of a a setup for failure in, in terms of like, oh, well, this isn't, you know, something that is going to get millions of views and, and, you know, draw on all the subscribers and make me money or whatever necessarily. But I do it because it's what I'm the most passionate about. And it's, it's just worked out that like enough people like it that I've been able to support myself doing it. Um, but uh, I mean, in general, I think that um, creators, I mean, especially once you get TV shows and, who have the budget to, you know, do a lot more, um, at least like visually impressive things, and they can have more help of, um, you know, people involved to make it as good as possible. I mean, we're 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 in a place now also that we have so many good stories. You know, like TV, I think is where some of the best um, animated stories, in particular, 
uh, are right now. There's, I mean, there's countless great shows on pretty much every channel at this point, and you know, Netflix and Hulu and uh, and stuff like that are kind of, uh, or even even Amazon are uh, starting to open up the floodgates for doing kind of that nice in-between sort of area of like doesn't have to just be like either a kid show on normal hours of the day or an adult swim or comedy central adult show it can be something in between it can be something for teenagers or or otherwise you know and uh and that that i think is really good that that more people are kind of being open to those those um uh less black and white sort of perceptions of animated entertainment but uh we still definitely have a long way to go in terms of people being comfortable with uh, those in-between states. And I hope as things progress, we'll, uh, we'll have more shows like that. And maybe I'll even get to make one of them. Who knows? Maybe. Um, I have a question regarding about, you know, today's animation. I I've been seeing sort of like a divide between the animated shows that are going on nowadays. For the most part, a lot of people are saying that the animated shows that are going on nowadays are amazing. Like, they're the best things that happened in a very long time. Well, on the other hand, I've been seeing a lot of people saying, oh, the animated shows are nothing compared to of the shows that came out previously. Uh, what are your opinions on that? I think that's a load of crap. I've always thought that. People who are just like, oh, don't, don't make them like they used to, are just like old and like don't have any imagination, or or they're just like... I don't know. And I mean, yeah, there's there's bad shows, but there were bad shows back then also in, in the in the heyday that everybody claims was like this is when the best stuff was. It's like there's there's bad it's also where I'm like, oh, you know, anime sucks or except for this show and this show and this show, it's like for my sake, like there's good there's a lot of good and a lot of bad stuff of anything like this. It's just the way it is inherently. So I don't know. I like the stuff that we have right now. I'm really enjoying um you know, Steven Universe and Gumball and Korra was excellent. The new Ninja Turtles, Gravity Falls, obviously. A lot of other shows I haven't finished yet or even gotten the chance to watch yet. And, uh, you know, and we're in a really good place. I don't really feel the... I don't, I don't see the need for people complaining so much about that stuff, but I don't know. And people are going to continue to do that no matter what anyway. So. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much... <laughs> yeah, whatever. No, I don't lose sleep over that stuff. There's no point. Yeah, exactly. You know, I'm kind of mixed between it because I, I completely agree with you. The shows that are coming out now are incredible, and I don't understand why people are complaining about it. But at the other hand, I kind of see where they're at because, you know, in their quote-unquote you know, childhoods when they were watching shows that came out of the 90s, I can understand that, you know, the reason why those shows were memorable and great was because of how influential they were compared to the shows that came out in the 80s in which they were mostly toy-based. And I think in my opinion, I think partially why the shows that are coming out now are so great is because the creators and animators who are working on these amazing cartoons now were the people who grew up during the golden era or second or third renaissance era of animation, whatever you want to call it, and which, you know, there were creator-driven cartoons that didn't rely on toys or action figures, and they were their own original ideas that can be able to be played around with. And yes, there are some shows that are bad, and trust me, there's going to be like that for every generation. And I think for the most part, you know, creativity is something that can be brought out, you know, for many influences, and I'm sure that maybe that's partially why, or maybe because they wanted to bring out their creativity of other influences, but um, I think for the most part, you know, I, I understand where, you know, you're going at for saying that the shows were great back in the day, but on the other hand, just please watch the shows that are out now. I mean, they're amazing. You know, stop being stuck into your ways, people. 
I don't know. I mean, if they, if they don't like them, they don't have to. But I mean, at least it's 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 not fair to just like hate on everything because then it's just like we can't progress. Like like if things change. Like senses of comedy change, and, and it's just it's just the way it is. Everybody, it's like you know, it's it's better to just be a little more opening and open and accepting of it as opposed to just whining. But. Yeah, exactly. But trust me, you're going to get whining anyways. Yeah, I mean, I have a really strong feeling that, you know, the people who are kids now are probably going to whine about the shows that are going to come out in the future and saying that, oh, those shows are terrible and the stuff that I grew up with were awesome. It's, a ju- it's just a continuing cycle. Probably. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, I know. Let's let's go into the negative answers. Yeah, I know. Let's go into the more positive stuff. Um, the uh, a car blog that you released uh, a while ago, uh, the Klasky Chupa one, was one of my all time favorites because you're one of the very few people who praises as told by Ginger, and I've been talking about that show for a long time about how incredibly underrated that was, and I just want to say thank you so much for bringing that up. I really do appreciate it. Of course, yeah, no, it was it was a good show. I uh, I marathon on the whole thing and uh, I think in my last year of college and I, I genuinely liked it I saw a bunch of episodes I hadn't seen and uh, I was really into them so it wasn't even the matter of like oh I remember liking the show as a kid it's like no it still holds up the fact that the creator was a writer and not an artist and her writing was so good that, they, that she got the series picked up it says a lot about it because it was yeah and can very well put together yeah, and considering that she was the only creator in uh, you know the the Nickelodeon Klasky Chupa lineup that created it that wasn't Arlene or Gabor, uh, that's a lot to say about it, you know. Yeah, for sure. And you know, and she's all you know been doing other projects. You know, she did Suburgatory, she did Selfie, so she's done a lot of other projects that are really well done. And you know, a lot of the episodes in that uh, series was. You know, very serious, and it was really dramatic, which I guess I could understand why not a lot of people watched it, because it was very different from all the other Klasky Chupo Nicktoons, and pretty much almost every other Nicktoon that came out during and you know uh, during that time when it was more comedic. But, um, yeah, I still really stand strong about that series as a whole. Me too. I, I, I genuinely liked it, and, uh, you know... Yeah, it deserves some more. I mean, a lot of those shows, I think, deserve more credit, but uh, I don't know. I mean, the fact that they were all very successful, I kind of, they, they all sort of speak for themselves anyway, so it's like, whatever. Yeah, sure. And, um, you know, let's just uh, ask, I'm going to ask a few more questions uh, while we wrap it up. So uh, what is the, the the process of doing a Tome episode? Um, oh, God, that's a loaded one. Um, basically, we, well, we wrote a lot of the episodes, like multiple episode scripts ahead of time. We record... Uh, sometimes the entire uh, cast for many of them uh, way ahead of time. Like for season two, we recorded all of the Net King actors. We did all six of their episodes in one session each. So like Kyle Bear as Webmaster recorded all six of the episodes, all of his Webmaster lines. But for some of the main cast members, we'll have Shady and you know Anna and some of them record their lines for each episode as we get to them. But uh, yeah, we record everything, and then um, I edit all the audio together. And what I've been doing lately is now I'll do an animatic stage for all of the individual scenes instead of just going through each scene like 100% doing every bit of animation or whatever because I like to work ahead and make it as clear-cut as possible so all my other team members can do what they need to do. And uh, yeah, so I go ahead with the animating. I usually lay out the easier stuff first with the sprite animation, all the kind of reusable assets and things. And then um, I do all the more detailed stuff. I finish that up. If I have any extra things that need to be taken care of by my crew members for uh, the visuals, I'll have them come in after me and uh, do their stuff. 
and then I hand off the footage and the um, the sound, all the the dialogue and music and everything to Shady. He mixes it all together, masters the audio to make it sound all pristine and nice and everything, and then uh, uh, he does the sound effects to it, brings it all back to me. I cut everything together, and now we also have a video editor online as well to um, to help with this final export to make them all nice and pristine and everything. And uh, yeah, and then we deliver them straight to you guys, and hopefully you enjoy them. It's the the uncomplicated version of how we make an episode. Yeah, it can take anywhere from like, you know, a couple months to several months, etc. But uh, I try to get one done every like few months at best, depending on uh, how it goes. So yeah. Yeah, and uh, while you're doing the episodes, you do your cur blogs, which I really like your cur blogs because it feels like you're answering personal questions or personal statements about your experiences or. Um, you know, what you have been going through in the past and, you know, just things that you are very interested in. It's almost like you're not only just expressing yourself, but you're also kind of like talking to your fans and discussing about um, things that we can be able to relate to or things that we can be able to learn from, which are, you know, really great to listen to. I've always been a huge fan of your cur blogs. Well, thanks so much. Yeah, I mean, they're they're quick and easy and you know, uh, I, I never want to give up and just do like a let's play channel or something. I'm not into that. So I wanted to talk about things that were genuinely interesting to me. And, and, and uh, I've been very grateful and happy to find out that a lot of people, including yourself, uh, not only enjoy them, but also just get something like personal out of them. If they're like about advice or, uh, you know, or just like even if something as simple as just I remember stuff about Kingdom Hearts or Dragon Ball Z or whatever. And like, oh, yeah, me too. Uh, you know, whatever. And, uh, and that's been a lot of fun. And, and yeah, they, they've been kind of my bread and butter in terms of uh, making money on YouTube for the, fa- the past year and a half now. So, uh, so, yeah, thank you for listening to those for sure. Absolutely. And um, you also, uh, I really enjoyed your um, <clears throat> Did You Know voice acting uh, series in which you talk about interesting facts about various animated projects. Um, it, you haven't done one in a while. Are you gonna, are, did you decide to take a break on that or are you going to be working on a new one pretty soon? I decided to take a break from them because uh, doing Tome episodes are more important. Of course. <laughs> um, so uh, I haven't done one in quite a while, and uh, I don't know when I'll be able to get back to them. I do want to do more of them. I have, like, several, several, several more ideas for them, and, uh, you know, plenty of... I think I even have, like, a few, like, written, and I started on some other ones, etc. But, uh, you know, it just came down to I would rather spend more time working on Tome episodes first and foremost as opposed to... Uh, to those but uh yeah again you know we'll see uh, in the future hopefully i'll be able to uh get back to doing some more of those in the future you never know all so. right absolutely and um you just one final question um when looking through um you know all the the future projects that you're you're thinking about doing and you know where do you want to you know go um, you know where do you want to go as far as being an artist and an actor and an animator like, uh, where do you see yourself, um, you know, going down, you know, continuing this path of wanting to be your own person in that sense? Um, well, I mean, there's a lot of things that I want to do, and I want to make sure that I do them all before I'm dead. I would love to uh, direct a movie, like an animated feature film. Um, I would love to uh, do more series if I were able to. Um, I would love to do a game. I have several game ideas. Uh, again, as far as what's next... Uh, really depend on what I'm able to do next, but um, I definitely have a whole lot of ideas, and uh, you know whatever I get to do next, hopefully I'll be able to do it to the best of my ability, and uh, everybody will like it. So that's all I can ever hope for. 
All right. Well, that concludes this episode of uh, Casual Chats. Uh, Chris, right before we go, uh, do you have anything to shamelessly plug or self-promote? Uh, just uh, if you want to check out my stuff, if anybody listening to this uh, you know, maybe hasn't heard of me before, or if you remember my old stuff and haven't seen my new stuff, uh, my YouTube channel is Kerber for 15 I'm sure Patricia will probably have a link to it somewhere in the show notes or something. And um, uh, as far as stuff to plug, um, I don't know, go check out Black Hole on Steam. It's a, uh, it's a game that I voice directed the English version of from this uh, the studio in the Czech Republic. Uh, called uh, Fiola Soft. It was a lot of fun and got a lot of uh, voice actors you might recognize from some other some other things. And uh, and that's about it. Yeah, and just you know, like and subscribe and watch Tome and Curb Logs and whatever. Yeah, you. It's me. <laughs> All right. Well, Chris, thank you so much for taking the time for this interview. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. And uh, everybody, hope you enjoy. Hope I wasn't too boring. And uh, yeah, you know, before before we go. I always feel like I feel I always feel the need to do this whenever I do podcast. Do you have any like really nerdy questions, like like very specific things about something I've done that like maybe you, that you've been curious about for centuries, and now you I can remember something and give you an answer to that or something regarding about your projects or regarding about just anything in general? Uh, both. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um... Uh, parody Rangers in Space. In your YouTube account, you have an alternative ending in which it's almost like Ocarina of Time, uh, as opposed to the original ending in which it showcases um, uh, the original Red Ranger and he, you know, talks to him and brings him back to life. And what made you decide to change the ending, um, the alternative ending, when you uploaded it to YouTube as opposed to the original ending? Basically, the reason I had made a new ending is because I had no other choice. Um, long story short, I did not have the original completed animation file for uh, uh, Parody Rangers 3, and the, the most updated copy that I had um, was uh, was on this old computer. Uh, for those of you who don't know, last year, I believe, is when I did this. I did this thing called Flashback Friday, where I was uploading a bunch of my old new Browns cartoons that previously weren't up on my channel, and they weren't up on YouTube and HD. A lot of people were just kind of putting them up without my permission, and Etc. So what happened was I, I because I didn't have the um, completed file for uh, Rangers Three because I think I'd switched to a different computer by that point. Yeah, because I, I finished the rest of it uh, by the time I was starting college and I uh, moved everything to a laptop that didn't have those files anymore. Um, so I was like, okay, well I don't have anything beyond uh, the part where Meat is speaking with them. I'll just make some sort of a weird like Zelda ripoff type thing where like, haha, you know, the, the the alternate timeline crap with like, oh, this is the timeline where the hero succeeds, and this is the timeline where the hero fails or whatever. And then I just to kind of go with it, I even have that that Zelda parody like you were saying with the the Ocarina of Time bit with uh, Vector the Crocodile talking to. Um, uh, to Zelda in the, the void or whatever, and then the timeline resets, and then it goes to the movie or whatever. And um, you know, it was just silly and whatever, but it was it was fun. It was just a cool little quick revisiting to that series and everything. And uh, again, it was just kind of out of necessity, but uh, I, I like doing that. You know, I hope public people weren't too upset about the fact that it was kind of necessary. <laughs> so. <laughs> that's pretty. That's a really interesting story. Another question that I was wondering is is that you did seven curblogs on Dragon Ball Z in honor of the new Dragon Ball Z movie that came out. Are you thinking about doing like a very special, you know, certain part vlog for another show or anime or 
in anything in general on that? Like a, so uh, one that has a theme? The, the only other one that I ever thought about doing uh, like that was uh, in terms of like a series of code blobs. So I thought about doing like a Sonic month or something, but uh, I don't know if I'd have enough like topics to cover. Eh, maybe I might be able to, but I have to like really think hard about it. Is um, you know like do a whole bunch about Sonic, but it also have to be like in celebration of something big. And I feel like there's not really an equivalent of that with Sonic right now, considering oh man, the new game is an iPhone running game. Good job, Sega. Um, you know, but uh, but I, I am planning on finally doing the uh, Sonic Adventure One versus Sonic Adventure Two Kurblad that I've teased like over a year and a half ago. Uh, I think I picked out some folks I'm going to do that one with. So uh, so maybe look forward to that. But uh, yeah, as far as themed months goes and uh, stuff, I might do that again at some point. But I'd have to really think hard about um, other stuff that I'm I'm really like that knowledgeable on in the first place. Um, you know, so, uh, we'll see how it goes, but, uh, you know, again, as, as with everything else, I've, I've given these general sort of, you know, catch-all answers, like, we'll see what happens. Right. <laughs> what are your favorite, uh, underrated, uh, animated shows or animated movies, and which animated shows or movies do you feel that are a little bit overrated? Frozen is overrated. <laughs> I don't, I didn't, I, I don't know, I, eh, no, it's a good movie, I just didn't personally enjoy it. Uh, I like Tangled better. <laughs> Um, I don't know. Uh, some of my favorite shows, uh, anime-wise, are uh, Speed Grapher, which was by uh, Gonzo Animation, and uh, Back Mongolian Chop Squad, which has a decent fan base, I would say, but it's it's not really as popular as I think it deserves to be. And uh, American Cartoons, I have to think about that. I don't know offhandedly, but uh, I don't know. Any, any kids who didn't grow up with some of the older series back in the day from, like, Cartoon Network and whatever, go back and uh, I can find that, because they're plenty of other good shows out there that you should you should check out so now you already did a, a list on your top 10 nintendo 64 um games have you ever thought about doing one for any other console i have uh i don't know when or which console i'll do but uh those are definitely some easy kind of like eh, i don't feel like doing something like with that has a lot of thought put into it i'll just do another one of these kind of easy ones that and Whenever I do ones about, like, I'm going to talk about this old anime or this game or whatever that I liked or, you know, just recounting memories about it or whatever. I've been sitting on a bunch of those uh, that I've been getting questions from um, the people about. But uh, I try to keep those sparing so I'm not making it just like, remember Kingdom Hearts? Remember, remember Teen Titans or whatever? You know, because then it's just like, it's boring. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm sure I'll probably do some more top ten lists at some point. We'll see. For the most part, you know, you brought in your friends to do it. Now, um, how is that opposed to, like, you know, doing, like, auditions for, you know, doing a certain project? Uh, well, auditions, thankfully, well, the only time I ever did an open audition was actually for the Parody Rangers movie. I don't know if you uh, remember this from the old uh, blog spot page that I had for the movie, but um, I had an open audition for uh, the two new characters in that, which were Dulcie and uh, Evan Splooge, the parodies of uh, Dulcia and Ivan Ooze from the Power Rangers movie. And um, I ultimately got Kira Buckland and uh, 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 Joshua Tomar for uh, the two of them, respectively. And I actually got quite a few other ones of people that uh, I later ended up working with um, by complete happenstance. I didn't even realize that a lot of them auditioned for it. And, um, yeah, I mean, that was the only time I ever had an open audition. I got a lot of really bad ones. Um, but otherwise, like, now I have such a bigger talent pool and uh, whenever I'm doing auditions for game projects or other things like that, um, you know, I can just... 
there's very few times where I'm getting anything that's bad uh, uh, because I don't work with people who are bad. <laughs> so my wonderful actors that I've I've amassed over uh, the last several years uh, make my life easier in terms of uh, the times when I do auditions or things for sure. When season two started, there were some changes that occurred compared to uh, Tom season one, like the characters' designs are different, and some plots of the storylines were more fleshed out. Now. For some people, they really liked it. For other people, they were a little bit iffy about it. Um, how would you kind of put in that balance of, you know, putting enough change that would make people satisfied, but not too much in which it doesn't either alienate them or in which it just kind of plays it too safe and you're not adding anything new? Yeah, I don't like to pander. Um, you know, if I make a mistake with something, I, I own it. And, uh, you know, if people don't like it, then they don't like it. And then I'm like, all right, well, I learned my lesson and I'll... Uh, you know, try to think outside the box next time. But um, cause even, like, with the story itself, like, uh, my script supervisor, Liz, and I, you know, had a lot of disagreements about kind of how the story was going. But it was because I was kind of stubbornly keeping to the plot that I set out to make from the beginning. And I just really wanted to stick to it because I felt like everything I was leading up to with it was uh, was all kind of designed from the beginning to end. And I felt if I made any, like, two drastic changes, especially to the ending, then, uh, you know, it, it would have been, like, not you know, following through with what I set out to do in the first place. And, uh, you know, I, there, I, there are definitely issues with it, and a lot of the points that she raised were, uh, were very valid and, uh, and perfectly understandable. And I think that it will be, you know, seeing what the reaction is will definitely be a, uh, um, you know, a good signification of what to keep in mind for whatever I end up getting to do next. But, um, you know, if I'm, when I make mistakes, I own them, and, and uh, you know, I try to just kind of, take them in stride and move on and, uh, you know, do, again, just the best I can on whatever comes next, you know. And the character designs were, you know, one of those examples of I was like, I, I made those changes just because I was like, I want to do something different with the designs. Like when animes do time skips and stuff, it was about as simple as that, really. And uh, there wasn't like some big plot reason or whatever, I guess. But um, I don't know. I mean, the, the fact that a lot of people really didn't enjoy them, and I made those color changes in particular because I thought, okay, people don't like my washed out, you know, gray kind of colors or whatever. <laughs> I'll um, I'll try and uh, I'll try and do something a little brighter, a little more, you know, vibrant or whatever. And then people ended up really not liking them, and they liked the previous ones better. So it's like, all right, well then maybe I should stick to what it is that I like doing in terms of that, uh, you know, more so, or you know, try to find some kind of better balance in between the two. You know what I mean? So in uh, that. Way, it, it makes even though it's a it's a mistake you know and, and something that gets bad feedback it doesn't make it unworth it or anything so i i understand yeah do you think that you would have gotten the same uh, opportunities um if you would have stayed in new york as opposed to moving into california or do you think that more opportunities happened when you moved over to california i think the only thing that would have the only couple things that would have uh uh involved you know have me staying in new york was if uh, i had gotten um well, I guess just the catch-all to that is if I would have had a consistent job that would have helped me pay my bills. Um, two of those things that didn't happen were a studio job uh, at you know some of the few only existing animation studios left in New York that do anything. I was not able to land any jobs with any of them, to be honest. And, uh, and also, I auditioned for one of the main characters uh, on both Pokemon Black and White and Pokemon X and Y in the time that I was there. And uh, if I had booked um, either, you know, a si I auditioned for Silent on Pokemon Black and White, and I auditioned for uh, Clement on uh, uh, X and Y, and I was actually pretty close to getting Clement, I found out. I was, like, in the running for him, I found out from the producer. But uh, I think if I had booked either of those characters, I would have stayed in New York for at least a few more years to finish up doing 
the uh, the shows. Like if I was a consistent character, like you know, for every week or whatever. But uh, obviously that didn't happen. So when an opportunity came for me to just you know pack things up and go to uh, to Los Angeles, where you know there was much more work and it was the center the center hub of all the stuff that I ultimately wanted to do anyway. I figured, well, you know what, I'm gonna take the opportunity while I have it and just you know go full force into it. And uh, I haven't looked back and I don't have any regrets. I do miss New York City and I miss my family and my friends back there a lot. But uh, things have been doing pretty good out here, so uh, certainly can't complain. What's your favorite and least favorite generation of Pokemon? Uh, favorite, I think, black and white so far. I've really enjoyed the black and white series. And uh, uh, least favorite, uh, right now it's uh, Ruby and Sapphire, but I haven't played my copy of uh, Omega Ruby that uh, Little Karibo gave me for Christmas yet, so that might change, who knows. Uh, I also have a, a really big attachment to gold and silver as well, but uh, black and white, I think, objectively was kind of like the most balanced, like, interesting, cool, kind of original one that I really liked, so. What is your favorite uh, saga in the Dragon Ball series? Um, hmm, you know, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say now that with, with DBC Kai, um, the Frieza saga, and by that I mean, like, the whole everything from they get to Namek up to Goku defeats Frieza. Um, with Kai, uh, with just the faster pace, and then of course the dub with the better writing and the updated cast and everything. Uh, I think that was one of the strongest parts of uh, of the whole story. And I, and I do love the Android stuff. I love the Boo stuff as well. But um, I think overall, that's probably my favorite part of the series. So, um, are you planning on doing any collaborations with anybody pretty soon? Like um, I know you've done. Um, animations for other um, wonderful people, and I know that you've um, also um, appeared in Did You Know Gaming. You even wrote a couple of scripts for them. Any collaborations with anybody pretty soon? Uh, yes, but none of which that I can talk about yet, so you'll have to stay tuned for details on that in the future. All right. How did you get a chance to uh, be involved with Channel Frederator? Uh, it was as simple as I, well, uh, before I, I applied, because the partnership is kind of open to anybody, to be honest now, uh, but I, I knew some people at Federator ahead of time, and I was trying to get a, uh, a YouTube uh, partner for a little while, but for some reason, the, uh, there were some technical issues, and it never happened, and it was kind of, uh, it kind of worked out the, the better, because then, uh, instead of signing with the network that I was talking with at the time, uh, I ended up going with Frederator themselves because they started their own, and we got all that stuff settled. And then, uh, you know, I signed with them, and I've been with them for about a year and a half now. And uh, it was pretty simple. I literally just I applied, and they they accepted me. It's uh, it's it's not been as difficult of a process as it's been for other people with uh, getting into bigger networks and things. So I've been thankful for that. That's okay. And um, now you were mentioning in uh, previously that. You know, Tome is basically just like a reimagining of TV Tome Adventures. Now, what are your opinions on reboots, remakes, or remasterings of animated shows or movies or in general? Uh, in general, I think as long as they are entertaining, I'm perfectly fine with them. Do I wish that there would be more original stuff in general? Sure. Uh, but I'm, I'm not against the idea of uh, remakes or reboots or etc. Uh, as long as they're done interestingly and entertainingly. Which do you feel of, you know, these reboots or remakes or remasters, do you feel that was done the best, and which one did you feel was unnecessary? Uh, unnecessary? I mean, too many of them are. I, I couldn't give you a, a, a most unnecessary. Um, but uh, ones that I'm liking the most, I'm trying to think about that. 
Uh, I mean, a lot of the Hasbro ones, I mean, not just MLP, but, uh, you know, G.I. Joe Renegades, I loved. I thought that was a fantastic show. Um, I've been liking a lot of the Marvel movies. I guess those aren't really reboots. That this has been them actually trying to do this for the first time. Uh, I don't know. I guess I don't really think about it too much. But um, I think I just have a general wish for, like, oh, I wish people would do more original movies uh, overall. But, uh, I mean, we still have plenty of that anyway, so it's not that big of a deal. Sure. And uh, another one I was wondering is, is that even though that you're not interested in going back to, like, you know, some of the older parody projects, um, have you ever thought about maybe at one point you want to take some of those parody projects and, you know, besides parody rangers and kind of, like, remake it into something a little bit more original like you were mentioning? Well, uh, Tome and Parody Ranger are the only ones of those uh, that people would know me by that I could even do that with because the other ones were all, I mean, cartoons involving Nintendo characters. Right. <laughs> so, uh, so, so I guess in a way I'm, I'm already doing one of them. I'm in the process of that now. Uh, and then, you know, if I were to ever get the chance to do that with the, the characters from Parody Rangers, like I was saying earlier, uh, I would do it. But uh, the other stuff that I did, you know, on Newgrounds back in the day, pretty much all involved the characters that didn't belong to me in the first place. So. Right. So I take it we're not going to be seeing a Nintendo GameCube or Game Sphere or something like that anytime no, soon. because, you know, I, I, I did think about doing that. I remember I think we had some people lined up to do animation for it, and I had some ideas for little vignettes for it or whatever. But, I, you know, there's really no point in doing stuff like the Nintendo collabs now because... The fact of the matter is, like, people are kind of already making, I, I, now, I, I hesitate to say spiritual successor because that sounds very like, oh, it's, it's because of me that they're doing this, and it's not. But the fact of the matter is, so many people are doing uh, video game parodies in general, like, like even more so than before now, uh, you know, and they're kind of, um, you know, they're, they're, they're just doing all this stuff, and a lot of these could basically, they, they might as well be, uh, you know, like, Nintendo collab segments, like, you know, just shorter, sweeter, to the point, you know, giving you your uh, your, AD, your ADD fix of, uh, oh, wouldn't it be funny if Mario, whatever, you know, insert here. Uh, so I feel like having a collection of them all together to give people exposure and you can't split the money up the way that you want, etc. There's just not really a place for them on the internet now. Uh, I mean, when Newgrounds was more prevalent, sure, but now it'd just be like, Here's the thing, and also you can, or you can just go to everybody's individual YouTube channels and watch their equivalents of a Nintendo thing, you know. And even then, that's also not even going to your point of like, oh, I'd do something as as an original. It's like there's no original way to do a something that is inherently a parody of pre-existing Nintendo games. So, I mean, that's not one that I can, you know, even do that with. But as far as making one in general, I definitely thought about it a few times, and a lot of people had asked me that, but I just don't really feel like there's a point anymore to doing it, so. Sure. Um, top five favorite voice actors and voice actresses. Oh, God, I, we could be here for seven years. <laughs> yes. One, ones that really influenced me, uh, Justin Cook was one that, like, got me very interested in, in just the craft and, and, like, studying it myself. Uh, Andrew Francis, I think, is fantastic. Uh, God, there's so many. Uh, Yuri Lowenthal, Mona Marshall, who, I mean, all, a lot of these guys I've gotten to work with and become friends with. Ben Diskin, obviously. Oh, uh, God. Um, the James Arnold Taylor, I think, is uh, one who deserves to be appreciated. A lot, of the, a lot of these guns that don't necessarily go to conventions, so people don't, are, they're not always aware of who they are, but they completely deserve to uh, 
you know, for all these props and everything. Uh, yeah, there's just, there's a whole bunch. Stephanie Shea, I think is fantastic. Uh, Michael Center Nicholas, Aaron Fitzgerald. Uh, God, I could, I could go on forever. There's, there's so many, uh, there's so many that I've learned from. There's so many that I've worked with and that I want to, you know, work with in the future. Uh, but those are just a few to, to start off with. Awesome. Then I'll definitely put you on the list if I ever want to do a voice acting podcast for 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe we might have something like that in the future. I do definitely want to go back to doing, uh, did you know, voice acting at some point, but, but obviously tell episodes take priority. Uh, you know, so but maybe maybe I'll do more of those someday. Who knows? Sure, that'd be great. And one final question: Any advice for anybody who wants to be an animator or an actor or somebody who wants to be able to pursue what they uh, wish to do? Um, what I would say, as general advice I could give, is uh, really analyze and make sure you know. A- analyze in general. Analyze that you're doing this for the right reasons. Like you want to get into doing, um, you know art of any kind, whether it's acting, writing, drawing, animating, whatever, really analyze why it is that you want to do it, uh, because the entertainment industry is extremely difficult and heartbreaking, and it sucks, and I, and I don't wish it upon anybody else unless you are just 100% totally dedicated to your craft, and, uh, and on that same note, you really have to analyze what it is that you know, can make you a professional at your craft, and by that I mean you need to study and hone yourself and get yourself to a point of, um, you know, competitive skill that you will allow you to work in the first place. So, uh, you know, just really work hard and work smart and be smart and, and learn and continue to do the absolute best you can at everything and anything that you do, you know, just be, be a sponge. And, uh, and then maybe one day you can be a sponge like Tom Kenny. <laughs> exactly. And then you'll left the same one that he was, cause that's a job that no one, no one else will ever have. Yeah, exactly. You know? Especially for over 15 years at this point. That is, wow, Spongebob is over 15 years. I know, that's insane, isn't it? Wow. I know. Wow. And considering that the movie uh, did very successful in the box office and Hillenburg is coming back, I have a really strong feeling that Spongebob might even last as long as The Simpsons. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's, those shows have stood the test of time, uh, and... You know, for very good reason, as far as I'm concerned. So absolutely, and um, yeah, that I think that's pretty much it for now. So, um, Chris, uh, once again, thank you so much for joining. It's really been it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, thank you again for having me, and hope again everybody out there listening. Uh, uh, hope you all enjoyed, and I didn't bore you to death. And uh, we'll see you all next time. All right, and that is the end of casual chats, and we'll hope to see you in the next one. So take care. What the fuck is wrong with all of you? You all are insane in the membrane. I don't get why in the hell this is so popular today. I seriously don't get it. Oh god, why am I doing this? You're all gonna throw a shit fit, and I sent totally gay. I know I'm going to pay. Why did I decide to do this? First off, whose idea was it to make video games all about the stupid pop singers that all get worshipped by the weeaboos? But then again, I guess that a bunch of teenagers that like to watch some hotly drawn girls in the skimpy outfits would could only buy the shit, I guess if that's what does it for ya.
Next up, we come to this little show. A story about a bunch of underage girls. Well, I guess I get why Otaku would think it's really great. Nevertheless, I just gotta say, I watched every episode and it's gay. Well, maybe not completely crappy. Still, it may be overrated. I can smell the hate mail pouring to my inbox. Oh, well, I asked for it, so give me your best shot. I've never tried stem.